Welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, geeks, bookworms, germs, germaphobes, boys and girls of all ages around the globe. Welcome back to yet another captivating episode of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. I'm Andrew Buzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, my comic book partner in crime, Colton Orr of Vigilant Geek Media. Couldn't run the show without him, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen. Right-hand man holds the whole operation together. I'm sort of like Stark. He's like Steve Rogers. But uh speaking of Stark and Rogers, we do have a Marvel comics uh update an update on the books uh this week for your uh listening pleasure but first let's talk about real quick just a, a little bit of uh uh you know exciting news regarding uh marvel cinema and uh marvel uh television first off uh probably the most monumental marvel Cinematic Universe flick yet. I'm anticipating this, a huge blockbuster smash. I, I'm anticipating that there very well might not be a box office left on the globe once this movie hits theaters. Uh, Captain America Civil War is out this Friday. Super psyched for that. Uh, I was actually a little bit peeved that they, uh, in the last teaser they they put out on TV, uh, they they showed uh, you know the members of each side, members of each team, like Stark's team, Cap's team, and it's like I knew that already, you knew that already, Holden. But you know, what if you know I didn't know everything about the Marvel universe already, or you didn't already know, and, and we wanted to you know, God forbid, be surprised. Um, it kind of pissed me off, but uh, besides that. Super psyched. We'll be seeing it hopefully this weekend. I know you, you'll be seeing it this weekend, Holden, and then, uh. Oh yeah, no, I'll be all over it. Oh god, you'll be all over it like, like a, a fire blanket on a flame. Uh, that's gotta be a saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, when we'll be doing, uh, as we do more movie reviews, you know, we just reviewed, uh, you know, last week we reviewed Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. You know, we'll of course be putting out a review for, uh, Captain America Civil War. Then later on that month, X-Men Apocalypse. Then, you know, next month, following month after that, you get Suicide Squad to look forward to. Lots of good stuff. Lots of things to review too. Um, so just one last little piece of, uh, Marvel Media News. Um, it has been confirmed. Netflix has picked up John Bernthal's Punisher to have his own series, his own Netflix series. As you know, I like to call all those uh, characters doing the Netflix series: Daredevil, Jess Jones, Luke Cage, what have you. They were originally, you know, back when I was a kid reading Marvel, they were known as the Marvel Knights. I think Electra was grouped in with them too. Um, so I still kind of call them the Marvel Knights. I was like, oh wow, they found the absolutely perfect platform to showcase these Marvel Knights. Netflix! 
Now you can really show those gritty crime noir blood and guts stories with adult themes, you know, without worrying about crazy censorship and this and that. So, um, you know, I'm just so psyched for these Netflix series to keep rolling. And, you know, I know I'm not the only one by far uh, who considers John Bernthal's take on Frank Castle to be uh, the most accurate and just just the most unbelievable performance of the character as of yet. Uh, there should be a, a ton of promise in a series. I think, personally, I would expect the series to kind of almost be like a th- thriller slash horror, but instead of, you know, the horror element being, you know, Leatherface or Jason Voorhees, the, the horror element is, in fact, the Punisher, as it should be in that story. Because, you know, as you've said numerous times we love talking punisher around here for some reason but uh you know frank basically is that you know scary boogeyman uh and we'll get into the first issue that uh becky clunan put out with longtime punisher penciler steve dillon and i opened that book and we'll get into that but it was like i took a time machine back to the age of 11 or 12 because that's all, you know, one of the main books I read back then was Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's run, and it was a long, long run on The Punisher. It was it was awesome. And Steve Dillon knows how to draw that character so well. Well, if you read Preacher, you know, he's the same artist that works with Garth Ennis on Preacher. Very similar artwork there, but the real gritty stuff. Uh, Steve Dillon is just such a good artist for that, but I don't want to get ahead of myself uh, we got, you know, so much to cover in this, in this cast, uh, in regards to the Marvel comic books universe. Uh, you know, we did an update back in season one where we talked about all of these new titles, you know, when Marvel rebooted their universe after Secret Wars, uh, you know, they were not shy about putting out, you know, over a couple hundred titles just right off the bat, but a bing. And it's like, there's, there was so many, we were overwhelmed. We're still backed up. We haven't read everything. We're going to do our best today. <laughs> we haven't read everything. I, you know, I, I think between the two of us, we've read most of what's important to continuity. So it should be a good cast, but, uh, um, I'm excited to dive into it. And like I said, Lots of titles to cover. We're going to do the best we can because, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen Marvel out with, with as many titles as this. And, and, and there, you know, so many of them, you know, I haven't picked up a Marvel book actually yet that I didn't like. They are just kicking ass. Marvel's got this great strategy. They don't develop their own talent. They only go after established talent with writers and artists. And then then they just go ahead and just, like, throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And then that's why you get so many great runs and stuff like Moon Knight and Punisher. Yeah, you talk Jeff Lemire, who... uh you know, in mainstream books anyways, he's done a lot of creator-owned shit, but, you know, in mainstream books, he made his big name for himself working with Andrea Sorrentino on the New 52's Green Arrow run, which was awesome, and as soon as that creative team left that book, it just tanked. Fell apart, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Marvel snagged him right up, and he's working on, what, three, four books, you know, at once right now? He's, I think he's working on... I think it's close to seven. All right. So oh, wow, wow. We got 
for him, well, plus his creator own because he's got a couple creator owns, more than one. The guy's just a prolific writer. He just produces stuff. He's got Incre- uh, he's incredible. Extraordinary yeah. X Men, Old Man Logan, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Um, uh, I know he's working on more stuff than that too. Did I say Moon Knight? Yet? Yeah. Uh, well, Moon Knight is definitely one of them. You know what? We'll get back to you guys once we figure out. This actually is an interesting thing. We want huh. kind of want to figure out how many books Jeff Lemire, who's an industry titan, you know, through and through. Uh, I mean, he's working on creator own sh- stuff too. Well, you that know, was, that was like four. Okay, so then Bloodshot. That's Bloodshot because he's doing Bloodshot for Valiant, and then and he's got and Descender Plu- for Image, and then Plutona. And Plutona, I forgot about that. And now he's doing Black Hammer as well for uh, How for do you? Horse. So it's like eight. How the hell do these guys keep track of all these different story arcs for ten different stories going on simultaneously? I think I think some of those they're not continuous. I think some of those creator owns must have been written ahead of time. Oh, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly he's good at producing material. It's just it's a lot of work. Yeah, but I mean, if you're somebody with that kind of talent that can. Uh, Keep shoveling content, well, not even content, just quality literature, really, uh, to John and Jane Q consumer, you and me, uh, and it's actually like, it still holds up, you know, month after month. I mean, he's doing an awesome job on Old Man Logan. I haven't got into Extraordinary X-Men yet, but I know you have, and I know you rave about it. Uh, Hawkeye's been a little ho-hum, we'll get into that, but, uh... Um, I actually, you know, before I get any further ahead, we should talk about a very, very big milestone since the, uh, new Marvel Comics universe has been put into effect after Secret Wars. So, uh, big news in, in the, uh, brand new Marvel Comics universe that was rebooted, I believe, in September? I want to say September, October? Somewhere around there. September, I think. They had the summer with Secret Wars, and then they they, they they took forever to finish it. They had the summer with Secret Wars, and then Secret Wars didn't finish until just before fall. But right. during the summer, that's when all these new storylines started out. And oh, okay. Books started. Well, sometime during the summer then, but... uh um, One of the big, big milestones that a lot of people overlooked... Uh, was, uh, the death of Namor. Now, you know, the death of Wolverine last year was a huge event, and honestly, uh, I know I'm, uh, not the only one that thought it was a little underwhelming, uh, at the end. Charles Soule has proven himself as, uh, a pretty, uh, you know, incredible, uh, plot organizer and, uh, certainly, uh, an industry titan at this point, but that was just one story arc he wrote that I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of. Uh, Wolverine's death could have been so much better than that, but, but, but I digress. Yeah. Um, so, so we have, we have Namor, the Submariner. Um, he was just killed off a few months ago, and, you know, he hasn't been utilized very much recently. Um, 
sort of like Marvel's Aquaman in a way. Yeah. Um, I think very underutilized and like, he was one of the, he was the, he was, he was, he came, uh, before Aquaman. Was he before Aquaman? Yeah. Wow. I don't know what it is. Uh, people just aren't, uh, they can't wrap their head around like, oh, under the ocean like isn't to, interesting <laughs> enough to, to people. To hell with the ocean, even though it takes up, you know, set 70% of our planet, whereas the land that we try to like, you know, squander, uh, you know, is like, you know, 25% or something, you know, but, but fuck the ocean. Yeah, all you, the, all the crimes on land. Well, I mean, that is sort of true, but I mean, uh, there's a lot of people out there, uh, on the ocean littering and, and, and dumping waste and things like that. Those are certainly, uh, well, that's lame, I know. If it was an environmental <laughs> book, it would, I mean, it would work, but it would, a lot of people would feel it would be too preachy. Exactly. So, so we have this character who's, you know, one of the originals from Marvel when it became Marvel early sixties, Lee Kirby. I think Kirby actually came up with the character, Jack Kirby. Um, I'm not positive on that though. Do not nail me to the cross if I'm wrong, but I believe Jack Kirby created Namor. Anyways, so, you know, we got this, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a, a Marvel universe legend and, uh, they they kill him off in Squadron Supreme issue number one. Uh, now the reason for that, let's get into the Squadron Supreme here for a little bit because I actually had to learn about these guys myself. Um, you know what they kind of remind me of, Holden? They remind me of Marvel's Stormwatch. They really do. Yeah, they they have that feel. They're also like a collection of beings that like their realities weren't restored when exactly at the end of Secret Wars. Exactly, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into that because at the end of Secret Wars, you know the the Marvel U uh, was sort of reset. Everything went back to like you know as far as readers go, one continuity, one reality, you know, one universe rather, as you know, they used to have the ultimate universe, and besides, you know, Milo Morales, Bendis's Spider-Man, uh, besides him, I think everyone else from the ultimate universe was, was, you know, all the ultimate universe doppelgangers and what have you are gone now. Um, but you have this group of extremely powerful, uh, super beings, and they form the Squadron Supreme, and they're basically each member of the Squadron is the sole survivor of a lost Earth. Um, so, you know, all those alternate uh, universes that were there during Secret Wars that are now not there, or so we think, you know, who knows. Um, so they're just kind of here, and then they, they, they're, their credo is basically... Um, they'll do anything to protect this world since they don't have, since they don't have theirs anymore. Um, whether, you know, and they don't care what anyone else thinks. Uh, it's basically a team that governs themselves. Uh, they don't ask permission or, or what the rules are for anything. To them, all that really matters is, is the safety of the earth, uh, and how they see keeping the peace and the safety, how, how, you know, their way or the highway kind of. Um, and if you stand in the way of them, you know, then you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem, be, and, and, and they're going to be removed. Exactly, exactly. It's a very harsh ideology to be a member of the Squadron Supreme. Uh, just real quick, um, the members include Hyperion, who was an Avenger. Uh, he basically is like Marvel's Superman. 
Although, like, they don't, you know, they don't over, I don't know how to say it. He, he's not used nearly as often as the Man of Steel in DC, but he's got crazy powers. He's from a far off galaxy. No one knows much about him, and he kind of just does what he wants, and no one can really fuck with him. Uh, Night, then there's Nighthawk from Supreme Power, Dr. Spectrum from The Great Society. So all these different people from different entities came together. Blur from Dimension P7. And someone named Power Princess, uh, parts unknown. I don't know where she's from. But, uh, you know, basically in fulfilling their, uh, ongoing mission to protect this Earth, because this is the Earth they live in now, and they do have outrageous powers, uh, so they're gonna go after any threats to the, the safety or the, the the welfare of of the planet. So enter Namor the Submariner, the first culprit, or in their eyes a culprit. Namor is often very misunderstood. Um, he's been on both sides of good and evil many many times, um, but he's also a very very powerful mutant. Um, anyways, so Namor is the destroyer of Dr. Spectrum's homeworld. This apparently happened during Secret Wars in the side book Squadron Supreme, uh, which I didn't read. Um, but, yeah, this is this happened, and then they carried the book over to the new universe, the Squadron Supreme book, and they decided they're going to just nix Namor for a while instead of utilize him, I, I guess, uh, you know. Anyway, so... Um, he destroyed Dr. Spectrum's homeworld back in the Secret Wars. Um, so basically they're like, oh, he's the first one to pay for his crimes. So, um, you know, Squadron Supreme attack Atlantis and uh, they basically level it and Hyperion kills Namor. And it wasn't, you know, for, for an army of Atlanteans, you know, these super-powered beings just mowed through them. Wow, like... It's very bleak. The first issue's very bleak. Like, tore them like paper, just... Oh, like, tissue paper, man, like Kleenex. Hyperion, I mean, you see issue number two, the cover, that's a great cover of uh, Hyperion with, you know, choked-out uh, Namor there, you know. Um, so, anyways, uh, no more Namor for a while. No more, uh... No more Submariner. With all the people ready to tackle all the different characters they have at Marvel, it's so funny that they wouldn't choose not to try and develop Namor. Exactly. It's like, you know, it, it's an old favorite, you know, so like, you still have readers out there from, you know, the fuck, the, the golden age and the silver age. They are still alive, those people. And they still, you know, you're gonna get the readership from that character because it's been built up since, you know, we're going on almost 60 years of that character, of, of most of these Marvel characters, but Namor being one of the first. In fact, believe it or not, uh, Namor was a Marvel hero, technically, before Captain America was inducted into Marvel Comics from Timely Comics. Well, their first two, their first two characters were the Human Torch and, and Submariner, right? Uh, I know the Human Torch was number one. I do not, I, I, I mean, that sounds right, but I don't know enough to confirm that. Uh, but Namor was one of the first. One of Kirby's original Marvel creations. 
Um, sad to see him go. You know he'll be back. Oh yeah, no, they're bringing him back. Of um, they are. you know it'll be a while. It'll probably be a, a year or two. Well, um, you just need to find somebody you can go ahead and just give the character a fair shake. Yeah, just you know, it'd be interesting. They like, need like a Jeff Johns type writer, like the way he did with you know Green Lantern, Flash, then Aquaman, and he went through all of those DC titles and just polished them up and made them awesome again. You need somebody like that to go into a you know name or a, 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 a. I would read a Submariner book, uh, just because of the history, if anything else. But also, it would probably be really good if you put the right creative team on it probably i mean i've been bitching about the same thing about aquaman for a long time now and it's the same type of character yeah. same exact type of character dc's yeah. kind of holding on a little bit and then marvel's just like no we need to go ahead and develop more of these types of characters and so we don't need no one lives under the ocean so we're not going to meet that demographic i just yeah i know i hear you but like i just find it like you know like, like, the, like the universe isn't quite right that there is, you know, a very successful Howard the Duck title, you know, that Marvel's published, been publishing for a while, and they can't give us Namor, one of the originals. Yeah, well, I mean, think <laughs> you about, know, but think about it, they don't, they're not using Fantastic Four either. And that's, that's right. And they're the first family of comics, and they're not even. They're not even out of the picture. I mean, they're still using Johnny Storm, and they're still using, using the ben thing uh, with yeah. Guardians of the yeah, Galaxy, still using ben Inhumans, and what have you. They're kind of just guest stars in those books. No, they're let's see, Johnny Storm's in two books. I mean, he's part of two teen books. He doesn't have a solo book. I know he's doing uh, Uncanny Inhumans. What was the other one? Um, Uncanny Avengers too. Wow. Oh, he's he's busy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's not. A whole overwhelming amount of hats, but uh it's just two. And you know how it happens. You get a team book, people get to be like, "Oh, I really like writing that character. He's part of this team." Uh. Oh yeah, it all it all depends on you know who the creators are. Like you know, you we mentioned when you know someone new takes over, you know, you know the one of the big X Men books, and they get to sort of assemble their X-Men team. That's sort of what Jeff Lemire has been able to do since he's been on Extraordinary X-Men. Um, they all do it, and then they always try to introduce young mutants to be, become part of the roster. Like they've been gold doing, balls. They've been doing, they, yeah, he's actually in the M Miles Morales book. That's a good place for him. I feel like those two would actually be a good, like, team up. He, Gold Balls should be his sidekick, I think. I think that's probably going to happen. Because, uh, I mean, the only reason, though, is because Brian Michael Bendis is also writing that book, too. Yeah. Gold yeah. Balls is, like, technically his. Did he? Yeah, I guess right, because he was writing Uncanny X-Men at the time when he created the character. Okay. Wow. Yeah, Marvel. Wow. They have just been putting out so much, man. So, um, you know, that's pretty much the meat and potatoes in regards to Squadron Supreme. Um, death of Namor. No more Namor for a little while. Um, which, you know, in my opinion, I think there should be a Namor book with all the books. They have hundreds out. Like, I can't, I, why, why? Just why not f try Dustin Namor off instead of killing him? But whatever. Honestly, uh, I read the Squadron Supreme story arc with his death and it was, it was grim, but it was pretty entertaining. So, um, this brings us to Avengers related news. But before we dive into some of the team books, 
Holden, uh, I was hoping you could enlighten me because I haven't gotten to my cap books yet uh, in regards to what's going on with Captain America, what's going on with Sam Wilson, what's going on with Steve Rogers, who's the real Captain America, who's got the real shields. I don't know what the hell's going on, so take it away, sir. Okay, so Steve Rogers lost his superhuman abilities and youth when he fought the Iron Nail in the storyline, The Iron Nail. Right. By Rick Reminder. Um So ever since then, Steve Rogers is kind of taken over for Nick Fury. Now that they don't have the, you know, the old white Nick Fury, and then, um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think they're rocking the black Nick Fury right now. I have not seen Fury. Now, you had mentioned that back okay. in... Well, no, he's around too, because I saw him in the Wolverine book a couple Isn't he the new Watcher ago. now, though? The white one is, but then they get the, there's the black oh, one. Oh, jeez. I yeah. think the white one, now, now, don't nail me on the to the cross for this one either, but I'm I'm pretty sure I've heard enough times now that I I can kind of believe it to be true that the the uh, Caucasian Nick Fury, the original, the is, old is, is, World is, War Two, that's guy. supposed to be the uh, Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury's father. So in other words, uh, the Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury is the son of White Nick Fury. So Nick Fury. The white Nick Fury must have married and, and consummated with a uh, African American woman. That's, but 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 once again, a lot of shit I read is rumors, and unless you're asking, you know, a member of you know the creative team over at Marvel, you're not gonna, you know, you never know a hundred percent. But well, it's a possibility, but I haven't seen Black Nick Fury since Wolverine still had a healing factor. Oh, yeah, that was way back when Colin Bunn was writing the book. So who knows what happened when when Secret Wars reset. Like, some little things, part of continuity, just gets reset. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, you got to get over it and just keep reading, you know? Yeah, if you nitpick too much, like, you'll drive yourself insane, you know, most importantly, but you'll drive everyone else insane, too. Yeah. So, anyway, moving right along. Yes, sir. Um, So... Sam Wilson is the new is the new Captain America. Um, Captain is, Falcon, kind of isn't Captain Captain Falcon's already a Nintendo character. Yeah, he's from like that racing game. Anyways, uh, my so, bad. I'll so try things to... things start off good. The, the, he's he's working with the Avengers and stuff. He's working alongside Shield. Well, Sam starts speaking out about certain things, and it starts rubbing the public along the the wrong way. And he finds out that S.H.I.E.L.D. is taking part in this uh, covert project called uh, Kobik. And he blows it wide open, blows the whistle on it, and then they shut down Hydra. S.H.I.E.L.D. has to pretend to shut down the program. Mm-hmm. So they just really got to work that. And so all this is going on. Uh, Steve Rogers kind of believes in what Sam's doing, but he doesn't b- like the way that he's doing it. So they kind of, they're not on great terms right now. And so Cap's kind of, well, well Sam Wilson's kind of fending for himself. Um, he's working with a washed up hero, I forget his name, and another private eye named Misty Knight. I remember Misty Knight. I think she was originally a character that sprung out of Heroes for Hire. 
I I believe so. Um, she's um very she's got that seventies style and yeah, the she, afro. Yep. Yeah, and she she paired up with Daredevil uh back before the Marvel U got reset, I remember too, when Mark Wade was still on the book, but I want to try to keep my interruptions to a minimum. <laughs> Anyways, continue, sir. So, um, so anyway, they they they're playing it like Misty Knight's more badass than Captain America right now, which I'm not all that. Happy oh about. Jesus! So no. they go ahead and they do this whole storyline where Cap's trying to fight off the Order of the Serpent to go ahead and uh, because the Order of the Serpent's like. Uh, messing with immigrants crossing the border, and so he goes down, tries to save the day. Shield shows up. She Shield tells him to mind his own business, mm-hmm. and then um, and then it turns out that like the, one of the kids who who's got kidnapped and Cat went back to New York looking for him, and then there was the scientist who had like a the Carnage symbiote or something. I forget who he is. I don't know who he is. Anyway, oh the Carnage symbiote, the red one, huh? I feel like that one uh, is extra dangerous. So he ends up getting into a fight with that, but then he ends up getting changed into Cap Wolf, and he's Cap Wolf for the rest of the arc. Blech. So then you said that only lasted an issue, though. No, it, it lasted the whole arc. Ugh. It was it is temporary though. He's done being old Cap Wolf now. But, good, um, good. They went, and then now he's got. Uh, they saved the kid, but the kid actually has kind of Falcon powers, but something to do with vampire. Vampirism, I don't know. Anyway, so oh, the kid vampires in the mix now, huh? Yeah, so Jesus. The, so the this kid is kind of the Sam's new sidekick because Sam went and broke him out of his cap wolf, and then this kid's got wings, like actual wings, so he can fly himself. Huh. And uh, they use the DNA from his bird Wedwing to make him this mad scientist stuff. So then they go and they move into that, and then um, and then uh, and then they bring up the Kobic stuff again because. That's like the uh, like part of the main storyline that they had going on called Standoff at Pleasant Hill. Yes, and you're gonna have to illuminate us on that as well. I've I've uh, dove into it a little bit. I'm not through it, uh, but anywho, continue. My bad. So let's see. So Standoff at Pleasant Hill. Um, it's it's a much different storyline than. What they you are have usually done, um, and this was an event that you know sprung you know over the across you know a bunch of different titles, right? Uh, uh, Uncanny Avengers as well as all new, all different Avengers, correct? And also Captain America, Agents of Shield book uh, had a uh, uh, an issue that was part of the arc as well. Um, so yeah, clearly, you know, is very pertinent to what's going on in the Marvel U since they reset everything. So, um illuminate us as to as to what this standoff is all about. All right. So the um, the Winter Soldier, he's the new man on the wall. He's going Captain America, the Steve Rogers hears that his old partner Bucky Barnes is breaking into Steel Shield archives and looking up stuff on the Kobic project. Um, Steve Rogers, who's a commander in S.H.I.E.L.D., knows that the program was shut down, but Director Maria Hill secretly kept it alive. So they go on, and they, Maria brings Steve to, um, to Pleasant Hill, and what it is, is, it's a prison. But what they did was, they, they had shards of the Cosmic Cube, and they all came together, and they exploded, and it gained consciousness, and it decided to go ahead and take, the the form of a four year old girl, 
Now, she's made out of cosmic cube stuff, so she can change things. So what she does is she changes the appearance of these people being brought into this prison at Pleasant Hill, so they think that they're living in this perfect, like, town in the 50s. And so, like, just major civil rights violations across the board, like, Mia Hill's, like, like crossed a line, huge freaking line. So... Sam Wilson ends up hearing about it through a hacker friend, the Whisperer, and then, and then now, now that they all knew all different Avengers, end up coming because Sam Wilson's with them, and then Steve Rogers ends up calling the Uncanny Avengers to come, so they both show up, um, and then the the villains find a way to reverse what the Kobik did to them, and everything Pleasant Hills just burning. And with everything and all that going on, the just just chaos, and then and then um, in some of the books, um, Kobik goes and 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 uh, mind wipes some of the others, and they have to get their memory back, and and it looks like it's gonna gonna have a really strong finish, and then the real strong tie-in, I don't know, is a Captain America spoiler in there. It, Dude, should I do it? Spoil the shit out of it. I should have read it by now. Okay, so... Go ahead, bud. In Captain America number seven, it uh, direct tie-in to standoff. Captain America, uh, Steve Rogers, ends up getting the shit beat out of him by Crossbones. Bad. Really? The old Steve Rogers? He doesn't have his... Yeah. old Steve Rogers. So wow, he's, shit. So he's getting, he's getting beat down hard. And, um, and Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson are on the way to the bowling alley because that's where they're at. So Kobik's there, but she's hiding. And, uh, Steve Rogers sees his life flash before his eyes and he remembers all the times when he was strong. And all of a sudden, Kobik's like, you could be that way again. And then all of a sudden, like Crossbones goes ahead and he tries, um, to go ahead and finish him off. And then all of a sudden, like, you get the young Steve Rogers, and then, uh, then he kicks his ass, and then, uh, the Winter Soldier and, uh, and Sam Wilson show up, and it was, you know, it was a very, it was a good moment in comics, I think. Hooah! Yeah, really happy about it. Yeah, no, like, just listening to you explain it, I mean, that pumps me up. Like, it's great. Captain America is, like, you know, as every he's, good he's, red-blooded American boy should be able to pick up that book well, at any time. And just... Originally, obviously, the character was created for a lot of uh, different propaganda and things like that. But uh, it's you know they've they've done so much since then in regards to continuity and story arcs. You know, he really is uh, Steve Rogers is is a tortured soul in more ways than one. Uh, obviously you got the whole situation he's in where he was, uh, on ice for like 70 years. Maybe not quite that long. I don't know. Well, I, I think from the cinematic universe they're saying 70 years because they're trying to make things current to, you know. Well, before it would have been longer because he was, let's see, because they did have cat books out around World War Two. But right. then, but then I guess they probably put him on the shelf because they figured he was just for pat propaganda and that's it. And then they picked the character back. He's up. just a chorus girl. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones in the first one. I love Tommy Lee Jones, man. Look at him. He's making me cry. <laughs> it's like can't even do any push-ups. But um, not to get too sidetracked. Um, 
he's, he's, he's definitely a tortured soul due to that, but as, if you read a lot of Captain America, especially Captain America prior two years ago, so Captain America 2013 and, and, and before. That was, um, Rick Remender, John Romita Jr., right? Well, yeah, Dimension Z. That, that was the Dimension Z. Which was such a great arc, but, but I'm actually not even referring to that. I'm referring to even before that. Um, the cool thing about Captain America is like everything he stands for and, you know, his whole outfit and everything, you know, is, is star spangled and he wants to believe that our government and the people that are involved in such uh, are looking out for everyone's best interest. When, in fact, all Steve Rogers does since he's been uncovered from the ice is uncover corruption after corruption after corruption after corruption to the point where he doubts not only himself but the star spangles that he is wearing. And that, to me, is the coolest thing about Captain America, because it's like he has to fight to find something inside himself to, you know, keep pushing on after realizing, you know, all this corruption's been around him and, and he wasn't able to do anything about it. So um, that's why I've always liked the story. And, and, you know, there was also like, you know, they've done a lot of things with Cap like they've done with a lot of the other core Marvel characters. Dimension Z was one of those cool things they did with him. Captain America is typically a Sentinel of Liberty, you know, espionage and, uh, you know, soldier of, you know, beat em up story, you know, whatever. Uh, in this case, it was a really cool sci-fi where Cap, Steve Rogers, he gets, he gets, uh, just to explain it real quick, he gets, uh, you know, trapped in an alternate dimension and it's a really really weird one um with these mutoids and in fact it's i i i, I think arnim zola either it created that dimension or he was you know just I ru- think, ruling i think i think he found it or he found it and then he everything that was alive there he went ahead and messed with their genetic code and, That's right, and he and he pretty much ruled over that whole reality. And then there were like the fringe, like rebellious ones. As far as sci fi's go, that was that would be amazing movie. That would be yeah. so different from what's going on right now. It was it was it was such a different Cap story. And when I first read the first couple of uh, issues, I was kind of like, "This isn't a Cap story. Like, what the hell are they doing?" But it was so good. It was just, you know, all right, let's take this this Sentinel of Liberty and let's just, let's put him in like a futuristic sci-fi. And it just, it was awesome. And he was trying to protect his, uh you know, his son or, or trying to remember. He, 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 saved, had, he has his adopted son. Yeah, he saved a baby that was in Arnim Zola's lab. And it was uh, one of Arnim Zola's clones. He was creating heirs for himself. Right, right. And in effect, kind of stole Arnim Zola's son and raised him as his own. Right, right. Like That's one of, right. One of the other cool things about that story arc is Steve's already a fish out of water anyway because he grew up in the early forties. Yeah. And then like, and then all of a sudden, like he spends some time in a place where, in this dimension where. 
where time moves much much faster than it does here and right and then all of a sudden it's like 12 years have passed so it's like he's even bigger fish out of water now well it was and just the artwork that ramita jr uh you know was able to come up with to portray just how haggard he was and it seemed like so much time had gone past and then in in our reality in fact like you know hadn't been that long sharon carter was still looking for him agent 13 um they hadn't even stopped looking yet um but to him it's like he spent like a you know over a decade in that dimension and he was all cut up and he had like the long hair and the beard and it was just the artwork was great and the artwork on the on the the mutoids uh even even zola um way cool way cool what they did with zola zola's sort of like uh um this awesome like He's not even artificial intelligence because basically He's an they did something like where they had the body. Yeah. Yeah. They keep like using his different, different vessels for his consciousness, but his brain waves are what like is always salvaged. And because of the brain waves being salvaged, like he has the super like smart scientists, you know, angle going too. But, um, and I love what they did. In Winter Soldier with Arnim Zola in that uh, abandoned base. Oh yeah, he was just that that really old recorder machine, but like it, it was, was so creepy though. I liked it. Yeah, it was yeah, good. way cool. But um, not to get too far off task. Um, so we talked Pleasant Hill, we talked Cap. Uh, I guess that leaves us to Uncanny Avengers. I mean, you sort of mentioned. You know, they were involved with Pleasant Hill. Steve Rogers, you know, they tr- yeah, deploys but, them as well as, yeah. you know, the other Avengers. There's two Avengers. There's really three Avengers teams. There's more like five, because then there's the Ultimates, and then there's the Illuminati, and, like, these are all books I have. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about and all that. And then them. there's another, there's all new uh, Avengers. No, or is it just new Avengers? There's new Avengers. Yeah, new there's Avengers. All yeah, new, all different. That's the AIM one, and then yeah, yeah, so yeah. many. But Uncanny Avengers, I do read. Uncanny that's Avengers a great book. is a continuation of the Unity team that was put together after the Avengers vs. X-Men uh, debacle. Only now it's including in humans because of the unrest caused by Terrigen mist clouds floating around. So... That's another huge thing that's going on right now since the Marvel Universe has been reset. We'll get into that. We're going to talk X-Men and Inhumans and how I, you know, yeah. my predictions for that to just spark into World War Three. but uh, not to... Right now, yeah. So not got, to interrupt you any more than I already have. They, um... So their their main mission is to try to like you know set a good example, so that show that people can work together, even though like rogues suffering from the uh, pox and and she's just she's got like nasty rashes and stuff, and then like the mutants themselves have like evacuated and moved to the dimension that magic can teleport to as part of her mutant power, but. Uh, yeah. They're all trying to get along, and then they're trying to find the Red Skull, and the Red Skull is actually hiding in the old Avengers mansion. Ha! Huh, joke's on them. So the joke's Red on Skull's them. already moved in to the old mansion. That's right. Yeah, because Deadpool, uh, he's got them uh, set up with the new mansion and all his money, and we'll get into that, too. Yeah, so... My the, bad. Let's just, uh, <laughs> the, the members on the team, we got... 
Deadpool, Quicksilver, uh, Synapse, who's a new character, who's an inhuman, um, Rogue, Steve, Wara, Steve Rogers, am I, oh, Voodoo. Voodoo, yeah, which is actually, uh, Kind of, uh, kind of a neat or character. Dr. Voodoo. Dr. Voodoo, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I don't know. He's, he's another one of these, uh, magic characters that Marvel has. Yeah, he's just, you know, I can take him or leave him, but, uh. So, oh, and, and, and the Human Torch. And, yeah, I believe that's it. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Pretty yeah. strong. Um, mm-hmm. Cable is actually part of the team now, too. Yeah, cause he got stuck. Back in time, he actually helped in the first arc, and then he got stuck here. So he's he's part of the big song and dance that they got going on in uh, Pleasant Hill, and I don't I wonder how that's going to shake out. But Come on down to Pleasant Hill. We'll make sure that you take your pills. Hang out with Cable. You'll show you how to travel through time. Come down on Pleasant Hill. <laughs> well, dude, well the, the once that event's over, they're moving right into Civil War too. Uh, they need to come up with better names for this shit because it's confusing. Even for us, that we know what's going on, and it's confusing. What about the poor people that actually try? And and I think this has a lot to do with lack uh, lacking readership. Is you make your continuities so you know confusing or difficult, or you name it something that's the same name as 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 the blockbuster film that you have coming out the same exact time. You know, uh, it's just, it's bad marketing. It's bad business. You know, think of another name. There's no excuses for that. We've been over this before. Oh, and you've, no. you've talked to Blue Streak. If you are a member of Marvel's creative staff, <laughs> create a new fucking name for each new crossover event. Don't fucking call it Secret Wars 1, 2, 3, Secret Wars 5, then this is going to be a sec- another Secret Wars. No number attached, totally different, but it's Secret Wars, so call it that. Any, It's just, that's only one example. Oh, but, no, yeah, it's so confusing. Uh, so, I mean, we've beaten this dead horse so much, they had to get a new dead horse. And they don't care because they are dominating everything. No, they know. are. I mean, all, the, all, their, all their books are real quality. Like, no one can shut up about their movies. I but mean, they're, you they're know, doing really, really well right now. Rule of thumb: If I was trying to like, you know, market, you know, comic books, if I was trying to figure out a way to make comic books sell to the masses more than they already do, the first fucking thing that I would wish that I could do is make it so that these, you know, big label continuities aren't so difficult to follow. You know, for us. Obviously, we read comics, like, all the time. So we, we're fine. We can keep up with it. But, like, what about, like, I remember starting back out, like, after college, and I started getting my creativity back, and, 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 uh, I was like, what the hell do I dive into? Fantastic Four is at number 600 and something. And it's like, uh, you know, the continuities are all over the place. I don't know. I didn't know what the, you know, ultimate universe was at the time. Like, I was, it was a mess. Um, make it, you know, your make your continuity, like, as easy to follow along with. Then you're going to get more readership, I think, from a business standpoint. Anyways, we are talking continuities right now, not business, so. Um, 
So we talked a little Uncanny Avengers. Um, this brings us, this is a great segue into Deadpool. Yeah, so since Deadpool is the main benefactor of this Avengers team, his his mercenary work is is funding the the Unity Squad, because which is which is hilarious that even the Steve Rogers is senile enough to let this happen. Oh, so blood money is funding an Avengers Unity Squad. Think about that for a second. Well, the, everything fell out under after uh, Stark Stark Industries, I guess, took a really bad hit, and they weren't able to go ahead and fund everything anymore. Right. So Deadpool, and it's like it's Marvel Universe has been, you know, very. Deadpool has, has been a very large chunk of what's been going on in the Marvel Universe now. You know, it's been the Deadpool show. I've enjoyed it. You were mentioning it's becoming a little oversaturated, and I can see what you mean. Yeah, Deadpool used to be, like, the fringe character that everyone loved because he was a wise ass and, and broke the fourth wall. And and he did very well for a very long time. A lot of fringy stories, no main event stuff. Well, Deadpool has become so popular, and since the character can kind of break the fourth wall, his popularity has leaked into the comics, and now he's a mainstream character. That's all of a sudden the Deadpool character is rich and famous. He is like mainstream, mainstream. He is no longer fringe. He is like how Wolverine was two years back. Yeah. Where Wolverine was in like half the books Marvel was putting out. Dead, that's like Deadpool now, basically. Um, but you know, the title book I've been following, it, it's been pretty entertaining. You know, you mentioned the Mercs. You know, he's hired like these Marvel jobbers. Uh, to, to, at first they were wearing his costume around. They all, they're like, how come we can't wear our own costumes? And he's like, oh, I want you to look like me, blah, blah, blah. But he, uh, he hires Fool Killer Terror, who's like this, uh, this deep, not a demon. He's a ghoul that eats people's organs, like to stay alive, um, and like absorbs them. Uh, Solo, who's like this ex military gun for hire. Uh, Madcap, there's Madcap, oh yeah, Madcap, well, he was originally part of the team, uh, we'll find out in a second why he didn't really belong there. Slapstick, who's like a living cartoon, these are all like really obscure Marvel characters, you know? Uh, Stingray, who's like, kind of a lame, like, underwater guy, but, I don't know, um... And then Deadpool's running the show, and, you know, he's he's all over the place. He forgets to pay them, and, you know, I don't know. Either way, um, it's it's a very haphazard situation. And then you get Steve Rogers kind of, like, you know, overseeing things. He's got, you know, he's, of course, got somebody snitching for him, you know, uh, Stingray. Uh, but, but um, you know, time goes by, and, like, someone's out. Dressed as Deadpool, committing like crimes and shit and murders, and framing them. So like, you know, Deadpool had to go after whoever this was. It turns out to be Madcap, uh, one of the members of the Mercs for hire. And Madcap, if you remember Deadpool continuity back, you know, about a little over a year ago, Madcap was like inside of Deadpool's head for like a solid four to six months. I want to say. So, like, they have a history already. Deadpool shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Um, well, actually, not, he didn't know that he was Madcap, I don't think, at the beginning. I don't think he knew. It's a weird... Once again, it's Deadpool. Like, you can't, like, 
really overanalyze like the plot lines too too much. But um, either way, he's the Mad- Madcap's the traitor, and uh, the Mercs take him down. Deadpool steals a fantastic car from Baxter Building, and Steve Rogers yells at him and says uh, he better put it back. But then Deadpool blackmails him into babysitting his uh, daughter while he goes off with the Mercs, and. You know, it was pretty funny uh, to see Steve's reaction to that. He was not pleased. So, you know, uh, going forward uh, with, you know, the storyline, after the whole fiasco with Madcap, um, Deadpool starts hitting up his uh, list he has of, uh, like, a grudge list. I think he even calls it a grudge list. And he's going to people that, like, made fun of him or, like, wronged him in some way. Like, he, go, he shows up to the Iron Fist dojo and he tells them that uh, he looks like Elvis uh, had a baby with one of the elves from Lord of the Rings or something and that Kung Fu sucks. And, uh, like, Iron Fist is teaching, like, these little kids karate, like, in the dojo. And he's just like, <laughs> I, I really hate that guy. Um, but then he, like, he, he starts, like, you know, going further and further into the book. And he keeps seeing the name Creed. Now, that's obviously Victor Creed. Uh, you know, Sabretooth's uh, secret identity. Um, but he doesn't know why he's pissed at Sabretooth. Well, you gotta remember, Deadpool's mind, Deadpool's memories have been erased, and then, like, implanted, and then erased, and then implanted. So, he's, you know, he never really knows if his memories are real, but he knows that his parents are dead. So, um, you know, I, I, ne- I never read enough Deadpool back in the day to know much about Deadpool having parents, but Wade Wilson has parents, they are dead. Um, basically, Wade killed them himself when he was under the, uh, mind control of Dr. Butler, the guy doing the Weapon X shit. Um, but Sabretooth was there. So, right now, Deadpool thinks that Sabretooth killed his parents. What he forgets is that Deadpool himself really killed his parents, but Sabretooth still sat there and watched and knew that he was brainwashed. So... Needless to say, uh, it leads right into a great, uh, story arc that's still going on right now, where it's just kind of flat out drag out Deadpool Sabretooth. And it's, uh, a pretty, pretty awesome matchup. It's kind of like, you know, two very almost impossible people to kill. And, uh, Uh, it's it's just uh it's been action packed, and that's where we're at with that with uh with the Deadpool book right now. Um, good stuff, good stuff from Jerry Duggan. So uh you know what, I think this is a great time to take a quick break. Uh, let's use the men's room. Let's rehydrate. Let's come back and talk a little bit more about the rest of these Avenger characters like Iron Man and Thor. Sounds great, man. We'll be back with part two soon. And we're back, ladies, gentlemen, bookworms, geeks, nerds, fanboys, germs, germaphobes of all ages. 
Uh, we left off in this Marvel Comics Universe update podcast episode, uh, talking about Deadpool. Uh, we discussed, uh, how he's, uh, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, a very violent altercation right now with Sabretooth. Victor Creed. Uh, this uh, brings us to uh, another concrete Marvel hero to talk about. Tony Stark, The Invincible Iron Man, a uh, book written by not only Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, and he, he really kind of saved the book. Um, I've been trying to read Iron Man oh, since man. I got back into comics. Like when Kieran Gillen... I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but when Kieran Gillen was writing that book, I liked the God Killer arc. That was cool. Everything else was like, ugh, it just made me, it just made me mad. The, the Howard Stark arc with, uh, but the whole secret going ons of like, like having to do yeah. with the parentage of Tony Stark was good. I didn't like the outcome though. They're like, hey, now there's this character named Arno who's actually Howard Stark's son. We don't know who this guy is, but you've been following him for the past 60 plus years. Yeah, that, I feel like that was just like Gillen trying to be like, you know, Grant Morrison with it, like being like extra trippy and like, you know, secret origin of Tony Stark. These characters, you know, I don't know. I didn't like the way he went about it. I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, you can mess with origins here and there depending on the character itself. Uh, what's been going on in continuity over recent years and, uh, how strong of a fan base it has. Like, you start messing with a character like, I don't know. I mean, pick, pick, pick up marquee character. Let's say, you know, you start messing with Thor's origin. Just, what the hell? Why not? He's actually from Jodenheim, and he was—he's really a frost giant, and Loki's really a, you know, uh, Asgardian, and and you know, I'm just saying, like, yeah, you know, got lead balloon written all over. Yeah, I mean, that—that that, that wasn't the best example, but you know, if an origin story is really strong, do not fuck with it. Come up with your own new, fresh arc, fresh take. Now, if the character. You know, like a lot of DC's characters, for instance, some Marvel, uh, has, you know, a wishy-washy origin or has multiple origins or an unclear origin or no origin, then have a field day. Then do it, you know, make something cool up. Maybe make the character more interesting. But anyways, I digress. Uh, now that Brian Michael Bendis is on the Invincible Iron Man book, it has been nothing short of impressive every issue since. Yeah, it's been really fun. Uh, each book really, um, leaves something behind for the next book to pick up and, and take over. Um, the art's been really good. Uh, the storytelling has been really good. Uh, they brought, brought in some characters. Mary Jane Watson has become a regular in this book, along with Victor Von Doom. Yeah, I like the Victor Von Doom, uh, like, Stark is like, what is with this guy? He's like, got a normal face now, and he's being really nice to me. What does he want? This isn't good. Yeah, and they're getting some, um, they're getting, uh, the, the, it seems like they're arguing every other issue, at least for a couple pages. Well, Stark, 
you know, knows it's only a matter of time before Doom f- screws him over, or at least attempts to. It's Doom! You look at Dr. Doom in any of the major crossovers throughout history, the first one that comes to mind for me is uh, the original Secret Wars from 1986. Uh... You got Doom screwing over not only, you know, the hero's camp, which is to be expected, but he's screwing over his own camp, too. He doesn't care about anyone. And he's, uh, he's trying to manipulate Galactus and steal Galactus's tech. Galactus is just hungry and doesn't even notice Doom because he's just so small. But, you know, he's always got a little angle he's working. You can't trust that guy. He's got a new face now, and it's all pretty and everything, you know, with the reset of the universe, the Marvel Universe. Well, that was one of the major things, because what happened is Reed Richards Richards was then left to go ahead, and he was free to go ahead and rebuild the the world as he saw fit. So he went ahead, and he just um, made things the way they were. He fixed some things that he thought were wrong and made them better. And one of them was Dr. Doom's face because it was just completely deformed. He could do all these different things, but he could never fix his deformed face. So Reed fixes it for him. Well, and, plus you think Reed, And it's too. done so much for him psychologically. He's being like a much nicer guy. He doesn't care about ruling Latveria anymore. That's exactly what, yeah, I was just going to make that point. Um, you know, you, you fix the guy's face, he doesn't quite have the same chip on his shoulder that he once did. Reed Richards is a very, very smart man, and everyone knows that. Um, so he's like, let me try this now. I'm too good of a person just to murder the guy or just wish him out of existence. But maybe let's fix his face up. Maybe he'll be nice. So, so far, so good. Sort of with that. I don't know how much Doom remembers from that, though. I don't think they would have let him remember anything. I think that everyone got, um, I think only one person remembered. What, what, the, the, everything before Secret, you know, before the universe got reset? Yeah. Is there, I don't even know. Hmm. See, now I don't even know this myself, whether or not who, uh. If there was anybody left to remember how things were. Because the things pretty much kind of picked up where they left off. I want to say, what about old man Logan? Yeah, well that's, see, he got misplaced, and then Miles Morales, he was spared because he had an old cheeseburger in his pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, And then uh, that's when, that's when the Molecule Man, he was hungry, and he brought him a cheeseburger. And and they did such. They did such a great job with that character too. Bringing, I mean, that's a character that hasn't really seen a lot of panels in in quite some time, um, but was a very uh, overly powerful. But his main weakness was his lack of confidence. Yeah, he's just it? just too meek to utilize that power. But then you get a master manipulator like Doom behind him. Saying like, hey, uh, you know, I'm gonna use your power and we're gonna create this whole universe because Owen Reese, the molecule man, you know, he's got the power to shape reality pretty much to any whim that he wants. But all he wants is a goddamn cheeseburger. Right. He's just hungry. Yeah. Um, Doom, the prick, he's the one pulling all the strings. and, and I don't know. But that was a really, really... Doctor good, Doom is such a jerk. Really good storyline. But uh, So now, anyways, Invincible Iron Man moving right along. Oh, moving to International Iron Man. Now, this is a little bit of a different take. So, the... I the, Oh, sorry, you're still talking Invincible Iron Man. I'm sorry. 
Well, Invincible, it went from this standoff with this lady who used to, I don't know, she ended up dabbling in magic things, and it was another one of Tony's exes, you know, and then, uh, and then it, and things end up getting resolved, but then he's, he's, he was being targeted by these, um, tech ninjas. And all in all, it's been all really good, and then he actually, Ended up um, doing a team up with Spider Man, which is funny because Spider Man is the new Tony Stark of the Marvel Universe. His, I know his his Parker Industries is as big as uh, Stark Industries used to be, and now Parker Industries is the main supplier of tech to Shield. To Shield, yeah, big time Shield uh, tech and and you know gadgetry and weapon supplier, pretty much whatever they need. Peter Parker has the capabilities to either fabricate it or invent it. Um, and he has the brains too. And you know, the reason why I like the direction Dan Slot went in with this new Peter Parker, uh, new Amazing Spider-Man is because if you look back throughout continuity, throughout history with, uh, Amazing Spider-Man now, okay, here we have, you know, this kid who's a brainiac, you know, he's not, maybe not quite a Tony Stark or a Reed Richards yet. Or a Hank McCoy even, but he's, he's, he can hold his own in the same room talking shop with those guys, uh, in regards to science, physics, engineering, what have you. Now he finally has the chance to be like, you know, he's Mr. CEO. He's Mr. Brains and he's Mr. Braun when he's web doing, you know, web slinging. Um, so I'm really digging it. Um, and, and with all, you know, these new resources that have come from him having his own corporation, you get a lot of cool little side things that show up in story arcs, little, uh, things like, you know, Spider-Man had a car, um, a spider car, yeah. but it, it wasn't lame. Like the first thing I thought was like, Oh, a spider car. That's lame. But no, it was pretty neat. I liked it. It goes up walls. And, it goes uh, straight up buildings, straight up skyscrapers. It stops on a dime. Stops on a dime, and that's top of the line. Spider-Man, Spider-Man's been really good. Spider-Man has been Yeah, good. Dan Slott's turned it around. I hated Spider-Verse. I know you did, too. Well, I didn't even bother to look into it. I just didn't like the premise, and I just kind of skipped skipped it. I, like, read the main books just because, like, I wanted to, like, at least be cognizant of what was going on. Well, what is it? But like, I, freaking... I didn't even need to. There was... It was one of those arcs, you know, like, all right, I'll catch up with you on the next one, kind of, you know? Interdimensional vampires who like to yeah. eat, like, spider totem people. It was just, it was just out there. It was too out there for me to, you know, uh, there's always got to be some kind of element of, like, uh, something that relates to reality that makes you believe in what's going on, kind of. And, uh, like, like, for instance, uh, Perfect example, something really basic. The Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner, gamma radiation accident. Okay, uh, typically, you know, you're exposed to that much gamma radiation. You're going to get radiation sickness and or cancer, and you're going to die a very painful, miserable, torturous death. Not become a big green superhero. However, there's still that little element of science there that's like, oh, well, maybe, you know... Some freak thing happened, and the radiation worked. You know, same thing with radioactive spiders. But hey, there's still that little element of science there, a little element of reality. But with the Spider Verse arc, it was like, and vampires came from the Great Web, and there was much <laughs> defecation. 
And then the vampires unionized. And then they only eat Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, and then they had all those, like, spin-off spiders. Like, I liked Silk. Silk was a Cindy Moon. Silk is actually, like, a really cool, pretty sexy comic book character, female comic book character in the Spider-Man story lines, Spider-Man continuity kind of. But, you know, then they came out with, with, uh, Spider-Gwen. Gwen Stacy's not even supposed to be alive. I know there's alternate dimensions. So in another dimension. Is the only one that, like, they won't let him, let them bring her back. So they, they went ahead and they just made alternate reality Gwen Stacy. Exactly. And now there's Gwen Poole and, like, she's everywhere and people, like, really caught on to the pink and white costume and, I oh, just, dude, the Comic-Con this year is going to be all Gwenpools. There's going to be a lot of them, big time. a lot of Gwenpools. And you already have, okay, you've had two Spider-Women that I can name off the top of my head. There might have been even more um, since, you know, the 60s. You also have had Spider-Girls, too. I don't know how many. And now you're trying to incorporate all of that, Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, Julia Carpenter, and then, you know, oh, by the way, Gwenpool, yeah, Gwen, uh, Gwen Stacy is supposed to be dead, but, uh, different dimension, you can do whatever you want. You know, the, the well, old- bringing back, like, a really obscure girlfriend, I don't even, how many issues were, the whole Stacy family, I think, got killed off in that arc. Yeah, no, uh, I know the father did, Captain Stacy. Um, and then, I mean, those are like the two people that matter. I don't know about any of her other family members, but Gwen Stacy has been dead since hell. I think it was like either really early nineties or late eighties. Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Green Goblin threw off the Brooklyn bridge. Oh no. Well, that's when we were watching the cartoon, but I mean, you got to think about the Stan Lee wrote that arc that, that happened back in. Probably late 60s, early 70s. The death of Gwen Stacy happened that long ago. Oh, I mean, you know, this is why we have you here, Holden. Uh, you know, I often have to refer to my friend slash human comic book encyclopedia when need be. So a little off on the timing there, but yeah. Um, so, you know. Well, it just It just proves the point even more, though. Here's a character that people just fell in love with the idea of. She was kind of a minor character, and all of a sudden you just... This, they're gwenning things. Things are getting yeah. gwend. I mean, like, you know, when I think of Peter Parker, I think of Mary Jane Watson. Uh, I know Gwen Stacy was like sort of the other big, uh, girlfriend. He's had so many. It's like, for a geek, you know, he really like dates a lot of women. There's, uh, Betsy Brandt from the uh, the paper, the J. Jonah's paper. Alicia Silvers. And then yep. the, uh, just, just the ones he's Black had lately. Cat, yeah. And then, yeah, you got uh, the one, the short girl that Octavius left him with when he did the brain swapping thing. Oh, the superior uh, Spider-Man. Anna Maria Macaroni. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, the, the fling with Cindy Moon, uh, who's Silk. And... Uh, Truth be told, I actually forget if he's even with anyone right now. And it's really not even all that important to the continuity anyways. But no. Peter well, Parker, man, wow. Too many girlfriends, I guess. I don't know what his love interest stuff is. Like, the the Spider-Man book right now is just like, hey, he's got everything. And meanwhile, like, there's ten different groups, like, trying to, like, get ready to make a run at 
him in, you know, kill him and stuff. Oh yeah, no. They got the the robot with Doc Ox brainwaves in it. Yeah, I mean, well, you, so you know, be- before that even, back. yeah, before that, I mean, you had the Zodiac uh gang, you know, with all them dressed up as uh different Zodiac signs and and then Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative. That whole arc. Mm-hmm. With the uh the cloak and dagger uh under that uh influence of that drug shade. Um you know, which is supposed to give people, you know, or, or give uh, people that take the drug abilities, but also, you know, it, it, it makes them uh, fall under uh, persuasion and uh, be manipulated. Um, so, yeah, no, Pete's been busy. Pete's been real busy. Lots going on. And I, I, I really do like the whole uh, sort of... Uh, Zero jurisdiction Spider-Man, not like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It's like friendly, like I'll go anywhere if you need me, Spider-Man, and I have the resources to do it. Yeah. You know, it's cool. It's a different take, and it's about time Peter Parker has been recognized for his brilliance and rewarded. I mean, even though Octavius was kind of the one that did all the work when he was Peter Parker. Yeah. But but still. Well, Peter Park, def- he, there's no way he can be a kid anymore. No way. They went ahead and they passed the torch yeah. and then they got Miles Morales now who's going to go ahead and be the Spider-Man for younger generation. Excellent segue. So let's let's uh enlighten us a little bit about Milo cuz uh well it's 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 Miles. <laughs> right. I I always fuck, no, so, uh, I always mess that up, but uh I haven't dove into that book yet and actually it's it, it's worth reading if Bendis is writing it. Bendis created the character. So. so the the book itself is called just Spider-Man. Um <clears throat> it's uh it started off kind of cool. Uh, he ended up getting into this, uh, assisting in this fight and helping out the Avengers, fighting this, uh, demon. And he used his, like, stun thing and somehow defeated it when all the other Avengers got their ass handed to them. And then, then his grades got hurt, and then people were talking about him on blogs, and they saw that, like, his skin was black under the Spidey uniform, and they're like, the new Spidey's black, or brown, or whatever, and the people were wicked happy in the book, and then, um, well, whoever that girl was in there. And then, meanwhile, his grades are suffering, because he's busy, like, doing Spider-Man stuff, and then... His mom goes ahead and calls up and gets his um, Latino grandmother over, and then there's the whole Latino grandmother stereotype that they went through with, I'm a hard ass, and I'm going to make your life suck, and this is tough love, blah, blah, blah. I would have slung some web in her face and swung on out of there and met up with the Avengers or something, <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I was Milo. <laughs> hey, Grandma, skeet! <laughs> yeah, you want to make my life tough? How about I spin a little web up in your face? It'll teach you a thing or two. Mess with Milo Morales. <laughs> Old. No, I, I'll stop. Um, no, uh, so. I, see, see, the thing about Bendis, and, and especially with that character, why does there have to be so much? I mean, I like that, you know, the character is diverse, and I, and there's a reason for that. I believe you were telling me actually Brian Michael Bendis has uh uh multiracial children or uh, multiracial families. I believe like so, yes. So um that makes sense. You know, he wants 
to see his pride and joy of his life represented in comic book panels, and he deserves to see that because of, you know, all the amazing things he's done in the industry as a whole. But why does there have to be extra emphasis and in, in, in attention pointed towards race? I just, it, it, I'm so over it. I'm so over race, race uh, as even an issue, but... Well, um, a lot of people still see it. Um, I know the rest of the country's not. I know. And, I know. and more often than not, like when people try to make changes to people's perception of what goes on in reality, they'll go ahead and address these social issues in comic books. And then they'll go ahead and fill out the waters. And then a couple of years, people will make up their mind one way or the other. And, right. And, you know, including people is usually good. Um, so. Is go for it, but um, the story itself is good. Has been really good. The character um, is part of the all new, all different Avengers. It's kind of like, oh, really? The, uh, the all new, all different Avengers is a strange. That's right. He is. It's a. It's like half old school, half new school. So right. it's, they have Nova is Marvel. Miles Morales, Spider-Man. They're like the youngsters, like the teen titans of the new, all new, all different Avengers. If yeah, you will. they're they're kind of like the the new guard. They're gonna be like the who you, who's supposed to be taking over. They're trainees. And then uh, and then we got Iron Man, Vision, Sam Wilson, and Jane Foster, Thor. Yes. So it's a pretty solid lineup. Yeah, that's a pretty powerhouse lineup for like, you know, the core Avengers book. Cause obviously I, you know, I love the Unity team. I love Uncanny Avengers, but that's not like the Avengers book to be taken as gospel. That's like, you know. Well, that's actually something that they talk about within the books because really? that there isn't a core Avengers team. Cause before it was one gigantic, enormous Avengers team. With I didn't a, like that. With a, one, with a hundred man roster. It's horrible. And just, so random, just Avengers you didn't even know existed. People just make them up. And just, yeah, whatever. Oh, you had like all these nonsense characters that just, I didn't even want to see in panels, let alone hear about or learn about like Night Mask and, uh, you know, they had Cannonball on the team. Like, it's a bunch. There's just no reason for that many people. You know, during the infinite, the big Infinity crossover, yeah. they had so many Avengers. Oh, Starbrand and Night. Night Starbrand, Manifold, like all these characters. That like, where are they now? What are they doing? I, you know, the, the, Starbrand um, and Nightmask have their own book. It should be interesting. The whole concept of a Starbrand is some intergalactic computer weapon power thing. Like, yeah. you get it, and then all of a sudden you just know a bunch of stuff around you, and then plus, remember, that was, like, well, the only cool thing that happened as part of the Infinity storyline, where there was the first battle they won against the Builders, when Starbrand goes ahead, he realizes his power, he uses it, and it just wipes out, like, their entire fleet. Everybody that was there, Builders just shit out of luck. Oh, I do remember that. I... Didn't remember that that was the character I was just shitting on that did that. So Night Mask is yeah. Well, still, God damn it! Like I want an Avengers book with real Avengers, not hundreds of like pretend Avengers. I want. Oh, uh, and we want you know, we, we want we not we want brand name Avengers. We want we want a hundred percent no filler Thors and Iron Men and Captain Americas. And no, I feel you. 
Like if that, that's that, that's what I expect. And it, I mean, it's the only one with a rotating roster. You don't see this shit at the Justice League. No, the Freaking, Justice League is very concrete. Like once you're in, you're in unless you die or like really screw up. It's not so much of a revolving door. Although certain characters are allowed to take sabbaticals like uh Green Lantern cuz he does Green Lantern stuff. And apparently Aquaman cuz we haven't seen him since the throne of Atlantis. Uh But he's so busy. Feature. He wears so many hats cuz he's the um he's like the ruler of Atlantis. But how does he wear that many hats underwater? Don't the hats get wet? <laughs> now, don't the hats get, they'd get ruined underwater. The salt water getting in there with the fabric. Now, he couldn't do that. It would ruin. No, but, uh, no, the Justice League is, is very much not a revolving door, except for a few people. Shazam comes and seems to come and go as he pleases. Um, well, I mean, oh, well, let's think about this. The only three, three characters who are definitely concrete are Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. The Trinity, yeah. And then everyone else. It's usually a flash there, almost always. They're barrier Wally. Yeah, no, one or the other. And then um, either John Stewart or Hal Jordan. They didn't really have a Green Lantern for a while because I remember, well, at least in the New Fifty Two. The New Fifty Two, Hal was in space like the entire time. It was like there was like a year and a half before we got a Green Lantern back in in Justice League. Yeah, and that Jessica, what's her face, it just doesn't count. They're oh, turning uh, into power re- ring. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're turning into in. I don't know something to do with rebirth is going to happen. Uh, that's one thing. I just want to talk about it real quick. No, go ahead. Good. That is uh my uh the comic book store that I'd usually go to the uh, Harrisons up in Hudson just up and closed on me, and I was so pissed off. They didn't even bother to go ahead and be like, "Oh, this store was no is no will no longer be an open location." Not even a sign on the door. No, I lost my whole stack too. I'm bullshit. I hate Harrison's now. Yeah, I uh, I went down to um I went down there twice, and then I'm like, "All right." So then I then I was like, "Why aren't you open?" And I sent the messages like that. Like I emailed them, and then I went ahead and I got the the social media, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, no longer open at this location." Uh. We hope you come see you down at one of our other locations. Yeah, you gotta go to Woburn or Salem, Mass now. Like, that's not even close to convenient for either of us. Yeah, no, and it's nonsense. Cause it's, that, I mean, but like, the, the store that they had, like, they were having trouble, like, opening on time. Like, I'd, I'd usually show up on clockwork, like, clockwork at 10 in the morning when they say they're gonna be open and, the guy will be like 10, 15 minutes late, any handful number of times. They, I just wish you they, they ran mess, that store. They were messing up my stack. <laughs> now, if I did, I mean, people definitely have their stuff. If you ran that I'd fucking store instead mind. of, you know, <laughs> the boss man's, you know, incompetent man-child son. I don't know. I don't um, know if that's what the deal is. But the, well, either I way, mean, someone like you, like, I'd be like, oh, my books are going to be there. That is awesome. Like, yeah. I'm going to spend more money here. Because of that, though, the both of us have gotten kind of like trying to branch out and get creative. I've decided to go with an online subscription through uh, Midtown Comics. One of the best retailers in the country, probably in the world. It's, uh, it's nice because they send you your books bagged and boarded. Which is, oh yeah, that's a huge chore for me. God, the amount of books I have that need to be bagged and boarded over here—it's no longer going to be a problem for me. It's nice, so happy about it. Now that's that is so key, and that you know, 
I'm going with Newbury Comics because I still like the you know the retail store experience. I guess. No, but, I do, but like the but, you know um, how it is. You I'll switch to online like when I can. I think because Midtown is the way to go. They're they're top notch. It looks like. Yeah, so. it's uh, the, I don't know because you know when you walk into a store like that, you're gonna pick up a bunch of things that aren't on your sub list, and you're gonna just get oh yeah. You get buried. You get Especially so buried. the fact that, like, you know, I don't know about you, I'm not reading enough uh, creator-owned stuff right now at all. I mean, I am still up on Tokyo Ghost and uh, some other image stuff, you know, but, but, but... Well, keeping your ear to the ground for that stuff is kind of hard. Like, you really got to know <laughs> your, who your favorite artists and writers are and know what they're doing, because otherwise, like, the odds that, like, somehow you'll find out in an advertisement what they're doing... Are a real slim, and in, in a lot of cases, a lot of image books don't make it to store shelves because people have to request the books in order for the people who own the shop to go ahead and order the damn things to be sold there. So, right. So, I mean, you absolutely have to be very vocal and, and advocate for yourself when it comes to your sub list. Yeah, pretty much. If you're re- if you're a serious reader to any degree, even like you know, even like a third as serious as like. You know, considering you'd be like what I would consider like the most serious of comic readers that I have ever met. Um, I mean, and I'm pretty damn serious, but you, you know, you, you read more than I do. Um, with that being said, uh, I lost my train of thought, but, uh. Hey, we had a, we had a good run. Anyway, I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> I'm like, we're big time comic book people here. Then, and, and, and people need to know. All right, I doubt too many people were getting their sub from that uh, Hudson store, but uh, I don't know. This is it's my first time with the online stuff so far. It's been a very nice experience. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be the optimum way to go for now on. If you're if you're looking to get your sub, get it on time, and not only that, but get it bagged and boarded and mailed to you. You really don't have to do a damn thing until you're ready to read. It's like you know. Probably, it, it, it's hands down, it, it's gotta be the best way to go, and you're, you're probably saving a little money too, I imagine. Um, yeah. let's see. Well, yeah. you get shipping and handling, of course, but. Well, no, any order over a certain amount, it gets waived. $75, that's right. So, yeah. Midtown does an awesome thing where if it's over $75, they waive your shipping which and is, handling. Which is fine. If you go ahead and, what I did was I made the shipping, uh, bi month, bi weekly, and, uh, my orders are like well over that. I spent close to like seventy bucks in a week on comics, almost. Mm-hmm. I I I want to try to know everything, but there's so much out there that uh, you can't really cover it all. But I'll, we're gonna I'll, keep I'll, trying, I'll, though. <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I will definitely uh, continue to try to do so. But we're gonna continue to try to do so until someone stops us. But no one's gonna stop us. We're 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 like a freight train, a a, a graphic novel freight train coming at you, Mach twenty. Bam! Don't super, even super duper fast. We got the snow shovel on the front. You you won't even uh, feel it. you won't even feel the bump in the road. Right. But so um, let's just finish up here talking about um just a couple more like core Marvel Universe comic titles before we move on to you know talking about the X books. Oh, well, there's there's one more Iron Man title. I only got. To oh, read. we didn't talk International Iron Man. So I, I only got to read the first issue. The first uh, the first issue though, I really liked it. It was this nice tale about how he's in Cambridge, England, and he's 
he's going to college and he's meeting competitors of his father and having dinner with them. And so this is earlier in Tony's life. Then this isn't like present day continuity. Then this was probably before the incident with the terrorists using his own weapons. Cool. And cool, um, cool. so it, it, it. I mean. It moved along real well. The artwork was really, really good, and then, and then, you know, they're like, "Oh, cliffhanger!" I don't know. You, you, you can't really learn an awful lot from a number one. They, they can try no. and set the table a little. Yeah, they bit set for, they set the tone with the, the number one. Yeah. yeah, but like your meat and potatoes story is going to be in in books two and three, and then, well, depending how long the arc is. I mean, you got four four issue arcs yep. and six issue, six yep. issue arcs. By the end of the second issue, if I'm not, if, if it's not grabbing me, I, I might, if it's, if, if it's a title I like, I might give it, you know, three, four issues, give it a, never any more than four issues though. If I'm like just, you know, bored to tears after like third or fourth issue, it's, you know, money is too tight to, to oh, be messing yeah. around with, you know, getting things I don't need, but, um. Oh, dude. No, International the Iron Man. is so real. Oh, the struggle is, is, uh, it's every day, man. You know? It's every day. Um, so it had a tinge of espionage thrown in there in, in that particular title. Ben, is Brian Michael Bendis writing that one too? Yeah, he's writing both. So he's Mr. Iron Man. No one else can write Iron Man but him. Well, I mean, I uh, think, I'm just kidding. I think Nick Spencer is writing the character a little bit. On, Nick Spencer's been doing a lot. For well, he's Marvel the one lately. doing standoff. So he so did standoff, so okay. And I know he's bit. still doing Ant Man. And uh, was he doing Sam Wilson Captain America too? I think. Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah, he's he's on a bunch of shit too. Nick Spencer's a, a an industry titan. Absolutely. Really busy guy. He's going to be um, doing the Steve Rogers book that's coming out soon. Yeah, that's coming out. I. I now that Cap's got his powers back, I guess they're giving him a different shield, but he's pretty much the same old Cap. What's the deal with the shield, though? Like, that was his shield before Sam Wilson got his mitts on it. Sam Wilson should give it back. Well, That's no. what I think. No, because Steve Rogers gave it to him in the first place. You never had to give it to him. Yeah, I guess you don't want to be he an never had giver. To, he never had to go ahead and, and be like, you're Captain America now. But he felt that there was a need there, that Captain America or the world needed Captain America and Sam Wilson had always made that effort anyway, so he fit the part. Although, I don't know. Does he have, I think he's got like, he can talk to birds, so he's like, well, he's yeah. got the vibranium shield, but he's like Aquaman, but no one makes fun of him because he's black. Because he can talk to birds, <clears throat> make the birds do what he wants. I know he, he, he had like a pet falcon for a long time. Yeah, in, Red in Wing. Con- Is that what it was called? Red Wing, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, whatever. You can talk to birds. Whether he talks to birds or not, uh, I still think, uh, in regards to sidekicks, you, you know, falcon's pretty damn cool. I mean, could be a lot worse, I suppose. Yeah, in hindsight, Ed Cap, Captain America's had some really good ones. He's had falcon, uh, Winter Soldier. Well, actually, did he ever actually have the Winter Soldier, or was it just as Bucky Barnes? I know he did it as Bucky Barnes, guaranteed, but... Oh, yeah. That's part of the origin. uh, Um, Well, no, Winter Soldier was actually... was Captain America, while Steve was dead. uh, When was that? I think uh, a couple years ago. Give or take. Well, either way... um... 
Yeah, Falcon uh, and Winter Soldier, Bucky Burns. I mean, they're both actually like, especially with the way they've been built up in the cinematic universe as well. Um, not just the comic books, but um, they've both turned into like pretty badass, pretty cool characters. They're both on Cap's team for the Civil War event. It's uh, a third movie too. See, th- the things get weird after third movies because you know usually that's when a franchise ends. They usually go ahead. Three's enough. But there's they've just put so much work into the depth of this cinematic universe, and it really is a universe that I mean, it's like okay, the Cap trilogy's over, just like the Iron Man one is, but. We're definitely I mean, not seeing the last of these Avenger, characters. Yeah. They'll be in something else, but I don't think there'll be another like main title named Captain America movie ever again after this one. At least not for a very, very long time. But uh you know, these these actors that are are in these roles right now, they're the lot they're locked in until the end of Infinity War one and two. You know, Avengers three, parts one and two. So you're looking at, you know, at least minimum four to five more hours of footage uh, in regards to uh, your Chris Evans, your Robert Downey Jr., your Mark Ruffalo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and not only that, but, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, what to expect from Infinity War based on what we know so far. I mean, we already, it's been confirmed that the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be there. Uh and you know they they're, they're boasting sixty eight Marvel characters uh, showcased in the movie. Well, I don't know. Well, the movie's already made like two million internationally, and then it's like, not even a movie yet. No, no, it's it's it, they released it internationally. Oh, I'm can... not talking Civil War. I was talking Infinity War. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I'm from back in time. No, no never Civil War's been released. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, no, oh. <laughs> I guess... no, I was just making I making making the point that there's going to be a ton of people. Like I I love to just make that point like there's gonna be 68 fucking characters in infinity war you know you better we better gear up for that in another four years that's gonna be something what if it's too much because like you know how like when i like, could see that happening too you know when you get like 20 rappers in a room and each of them only do like like one bar yeah and it's on it's the like, song and then it's just the like yeah. uh this is wicked long for all you guys just to say one thing and try to get try to get your dap Lame. Like, what if yeah. that happens with this? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, you know, knock on wood. I have, I have high hopes for everything Marvel Cinematic Universe. But you know, it would not only be like you know, I, I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, like they had a, a an amazing run, and you put that many people in a movie, it's you know, who knows what's going to happen at that point. But uh, you know, it could happen. It could go either way. But it's no matter what, it's going to be highly entertaining for John and Jane Q viewer like you and I. Mm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I I gotta believe they're going to have trouble holding on to their cinematic universe after the Infinity War is over. But I, they could prove me wrong. It's I don't know. Good. Well, let's get back to the books. Yeah, we t- we went on a, a too long of a tangent there, but uh, well, um, um, we got to talk Thor. We got to talk Agents of Shield. Why don't you talk Thor? I'll talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the book, and then uh, we'll give you the floor again so you can tell us a little bit about the X-Books. Sure. So Thor has been amazing. Jason Aaron has done a very good job with it. Uh, Jane Foster right now is Thor. She was found worthy somehow. I don't know how she ended up on the moon to pick up the damn thing. But um, this is kind of 
continuing Jason Aaron's run. He's been writing Thor for close to five years now, and he's been doing really, really well. Yeah, he's been on that title for a, a long time. He's kind of like Marvel's, like, you know, signature fantasy writer. You know, he's doing Doctor Strange right now, too, and he's he, it's so good. Oh, he's, we'll he, get to that. Yeah, he's killing that title, too. So right now in Thor, um, we got some strange things going on in the other realms. Um the the dark elves have allied with the Roxxon Corporation, <laughs> and the Roxxon Corporation has stuff like guns and tanks. So all <laughs> these goblins and dark elves are rolling into all these different territories and just but taking over. And then Malekith goes ahead and he forces the queen of the light elves into a marriage, so that the light elves won't get slaughtered. And then he, right after they're married, he goes ahead and he throws her in jail. And there's nothing Thor can do about it. And then Thor ends up having to throw down with Odin. And they get into this huge fight. They're bouncing all over the solar system. And then Loki ends up stabbing his mother in the stomach and then bounces. Because he's part of like the Dark Alliance or whatever. Um, and, and all in all, it's been really good. Um... I, I really feel there's a lot of similarities from uh, the indie book that I read back when uh, we did the last Comic-Con, uh, The Mighty Titan. Right. You mentioned the same kind of scenario. So much so, they're the having, cancer. They're, yeah. they're having the same story um, plot, plot line with the cancer where every time Jane Foster transforms into Thor, it undoes the chemo that she's going through. It's just exactly the same as the main character from the Mighty Titan turning into Helios. So, it's, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I mean, For people that, you know, have never encountered the Mighty I'm, Titan, though, it's, it's probably, you know, it's pretty strong storytelling. Oh, it's a, it's a great if, if story. You, if you don't know where it came from, or great, who knows. They're, they're both great stories. I mean, Jason Aaron can definitely write his ass off. It's just it is so close. It is way too similar. But I mean, this, there, you can only, a certain amount of storylines exist. It's all in how you tell it. So, all in all, um, I don't know. Just, uh, I figured if you have the time to go ahead and actually check that out. Um, there's a nice little look into that there. Yeah. But all in all, the Thor's been good. Thor's about as solid a book as Marvel's got going for it. I've been hearing good things from you about Thor for, for too long now. It might be something I'm, I might pick up. We'll see. Um, this brings us to like, you know, our last sort of comic book title to talk about that sort of follows or falls under the, uh, Avengers or mainstream Marvel kind of category. Um, and that is, uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. book that they put out at the turn of, uh, you know the reset of 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 the Marvel U. How is, has that been interesting at all? It's been great. Really? If if you like the show, which you know after, I, you know once I got into season two, you know season one was kind of a crawl. Oh my god! But season, season one was two snooze, dude. Yeah, season two onward, um, the show's great, and the book follows suit. You know, almost to you know. Obviously, like, you know, the, the, the storylines themselves are different, but, you know, in regards to characters and, and character development and all that happy stuff. But basically, right now, uh, I think they've put out four issues of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, the arc that they have been running with is a pretty exciting one. Basically, 
some scalawag stole an Iron Man suit uh, from Stark with a quantum drive uh, implanted in the suit. Um, quantum drive is a device that... Uh, allows you to, you know, it, it's something where, you know, it allows you to do, like, a lot of extra things with the suit that you wouldn't normally get to do. And I think there's also, uh, like, algorithms in regards to, uh, you know, uh, where certain uh, enemies or adversaries might be located in regards to GPS coordinates and things like that. So it's anyways, basically like a big database. So Think of it as a big database. So, the, so now the, the, enemy, the enemy has it, and then Coulson and the, and the gang have to hunt him down and find the suit? Basically, um, basically, on this gigantic quantum drive, this database, there is a program called Axiom, um, which is data on how to kill any superhero in the Marvel U. Um, now, Phil Coulson was the one that created the program. Go figure. Yeah. Phil Coulson created Axiom. Um, however, it was stolen from Phil Coulson's mind by Lola, who was an old colleague of Coulson's and, uh, supposedly named the car, the flying shield car. He doesn't admit that he named it after her, but it's obvious. Um, she works for, you know, Department of Defense under a, uh, she's in charge of like her own task force and, and her and Colson are buttonheads, uh, both trying to get Axiom back for themselves so that, uh, in Colson's case, so no superheroes die. And, uh, in Lola's case, we're not sure what she wants that for. Um, so, Basically, they're trying to find, Coulson and his team, they're trying to find the date, time, and location of the auction where uh, the Axiom data program is being auctioned off. Um, so, enter Mockingbird and Fitz. Um, Bobby Morse, uh, who's actually, she's got her own book. Any character of any prominence, they're just, they're, they're going to, they, they, Yep, just throw it all against the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, Mockingbird is is kind of cool. She's just because I f she's really sexy and she's really good at fighting. But you know she's I don't she never ever ever tells the truth, um, which is something that I don't think I can move past enough to actually read <laughs> read the book. Like I don't want to read a story about a deceitful woman. I, you know, if I want to and think then, about that, and this, can, this fictional character is just going to be lying to you the whole time and you just have to live with that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, no, that, you know, so I, I, I didn't pick up the Mockingbird. Uh, I picked up the number one because number ones are cool. But, uh, yeah, Mockingbird as well as Daisy Johnson's book, Quake is a book too. If you want to read about Daisy Johnson, Earthquake, she's got a book. I thought that was just a one shot. They did a one shot. The one shot sold all right. Now it's a book. Wow. Yeah. So now she's a thing. So all, you know, all these, you know, agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Avenger type characters are coming out of the woodwork now and becoming super popular too. Daisy Johnson and Mockingbird probably being like the two most popular, I'd say. Um, so anyways, back to the auction. Bobby and Fitz are on their way to the auction. They get blown up in a plane. Uh, basically all of these events, 
lead to Lola getting her hands on the Axiom database, which then uh, supposedly leads to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s tie-in with Pleasant Hill, which I can't comment on in that case because I have not read that yet. Right. Well, the town of Pleasant Hill is kind of like a secret S.H.I.E.L.D. stronghold on top of being a prison. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's so many different storylines going on. Every Avengers book has something going on there, along with the Captain America book. All have tie-ins. They've been pretty good tie-ins. Um, not super important. I'm actually kind of confused with what's going on with all new, all different, and uncanny, uncanny Avengers in, in that regard, because they're... I don't know, it's... It's a foggy mess for me right now, because I haven't... I got so much reading to catch up on. There's like there's some books which are, are pretty much like main continuity stuff, and then you're like you're, then you're wondering like why, why the Avengers are oh they're brainwashed because Kobik went in there, and then but then it doesn't make sense because all the other bad villains like managed to reverse the brainwashing of that and are realizing who they actually are as opposed to who they were told to be. So hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll make more sense once I read Omega. I mean. That's the uh, that's the finale for it. So that's the whole ball of wax there, right there. Bingity. No uh, end of credits extra Easter egg scene there. Nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> All right, so um, let's keep things rolling as we are approaching uh, an hour and forty five minutes of our blabber. Um, we knew this was going to be kind of a lengthy cast, though. Um, uh, I, I, I think it's. Who of us uh, now to to get into talking about uh, all the X Men books, and uh, if you could start us off talking about uh, Extraordinary X Men, uh, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, so Extraordinary X Men, it's being done by Jeff Lemire and illustrated by Humberto Ramos for most of the time, but not all the time. I think there's someone else who works on it sometimes. Anyways, uh, storyline follows as such. Um, inhuman, ever since the inhuman, um, the inhumanity event where the Terrigen Mists are now floating all over the world and have been for a while, and they just continue to do so, transforming people, they finally realize that the Terrigen Mists are, are physically harming, uh, mutants. It's making mutants sterile, and it's making them incredibly sick. Uh, Storm, now the senior leader of all the mutants, uh, goes and makes a decision. She goes, she conferences with magic. Magic goes ahead and conferences with uh, the other mag- actual magic users within the Marvel Universe. And they go ahead and they teleport the Jean Grey school to Limbo, where magic goes in between her teleportations. Very sneaky. I like it. So, so they're out of the way. They're not even in normal reality and uh they're trying to keep the demons at bay that they're living there but it's still not as bad as i guess the terrigen mists um uh, during this time they're trying to recruit people um they they get the the new old gene gray that used to yep. be as part of all new x-men the mm-hmm. um old man logan he's a wolverine who's out of place in his own time so they go ahead to recruit him then they they end up finding Nightcrawler, who is trying to stop hate crimes against uh, mutants, and got r- badly just psychologically damaged from it. And then um, I've always liked Nightcrawler. And then they 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 brought back Colossus back into the mix. Solid, 
You need a big, strong guy, especially a guy made of metal and brown. They it, they got a good lineup. Peter Rasputin. They got a really good lineup. So they, then they have uh, also have Iceman too. So uh, Iceman's a solid character too. Oh yeah, yeah an no, original. He, he's yeah. he's a fan favorite. And then that, of course, he's still dealing with the uh, the, the trials and tribulations the, of uh, homosexuality yeah. and living with it. And uh, it's just. Uh, yeah, so it's it's, it's weird because they they're doing that as the with the an adult Iceman dealing with that as an adult, but then they have the young Iceman to go ahead and kind of relate to a younger audience too, and then the younger Iceman's in the uh, all new X Men book. Um, all new X Men. Let's uh, let's dive into that for a minute. It's um, all new X Men. So it it's been kind of started out. Um, Something happened, Scott Summers went ahead, and he spoke out against the Inhumans, and then he disappeared. <laughs> so nobody knows where he is. Um, what a wuss. And, uh, he's been, like, Scott Summers has been, like, the biggest heel there is. So the young Scott has to deal with the shadow of how he turns into an asshole when he's older. So he's got to live with that. And so he's kind of hiding out, he's living on his own, and... And he's not using his powers, so nobody can find him because he's not using his powers. Right, so Cerebro can't detect you if uh, if you're not using your mutant abilities. Right, so then Hank McCoy goes ahead and like hooks up a car battery to a Banff and his RV, and they teleport to him eventually because Scott ends up going after these uh, this gang in Chicago called the Sons of Cyclops, and they all wear like the wow the, the X on the head. And he's trying to stop them, but they're like, no, we should stand up for our rights and blah, blah, blah. You're saying Hank McCoy? No, no, Hank didn't do that. Uh, these, this gang. No, no, but who's trying to stop the gang again? Oh, uh, young Scott Summers. From all new X-Men. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to, I just, uh, for some reason I thought I heard Hank McCoy and I'm like, wait a second. I thought he was over with the Inhumans. The, no, young Hank McCoy. Is... Yeah, there's young and old Hank McCoy. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's young and old Hank McCoy too. Yeah, but. I'm out of touch with my X book, so I'm going to just give you back the floor and, then, and stick my tail between my legs until we talk about the fringe. Then there's the uh well then we got the rest of the, uh, the roster. Uh we got um well there's this um African American woman, I don't know her name, and then there's the Evan, the young version of Apocalypse. That's right. The Warren Worthington, who was changed by the Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. And Laura Kinney, X-23. Oh, yeah. The yep. new Wolverine. Yeah. Um. So they're pretty much... Um. They, they foiled that first attempt. The second story arc, Scott is kidnapped by a drunk, delusional toad who wants to kill Scott because <laughs> if he kills Scott, that'll make everything better. He, the guy's just wicked down on his luck. He's like such a shitty mutant toad. His and, 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 and he's, he's got this really creepy, delusional, like, like serial killer moment going right now where a guy's just taking too much and he's in a really dark place and, and he's got Scott tied up and uh, he's getting ready to go mess him up. So that's kind of where we I left like off it. of that story. Um, and then we got Uncanny, Uncanny of, uh, X-Men, which is... Colin Bunn's writing that one, right? Yeah, it's, no. that one kind of is more like X-Force, but it's more like, like, every real, like, like, mean, badass mutants, like, like, Magneto, and... Mystique. And Sabretooth. 
Um, Psylocke, she's in there. Uh, then they yeah, have a. I like her. And then they have uh, the current Archangel, who I guess is is just vacant minded and is is really only used as a, like a drone. I guess I guess he's just really dangerous because of his like like knife feather things that he shoots at people. Okay. Then us. It just always seems. I always wondered, like, how it is that like he that character is so powerful because he just really flies. That's it. And then like, yeah. even with the transformations too, it wasn't all that convincing. It wasn't. Uh, to be honest, I don't have a good answer for that. I've never found that character captivating at all. I think the only reason why that character has so much respect to begin with is simply due to the the fact that he's one of the original five. You know, other than that, there's just nothing special about Warren Worthing, Warren Worthington, except for when he's, you know, under apocalypse, uh, uh, persuasion, of course, and, and, and doing his bidding as a horseman. But, uh, besides that, that's just my personal opinion, though. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of X-Men fans out there that, like, they are, like, you know, die hard, they love like certain characters, and if you try to, you know, display or show how you know obscure they actually are, people get like pissed about it and shit. Like, you know, I love Jubilee. I've been watching Jubilee in those cartoons, and Jubilee should have her own book. And if you don't like her, then I don't know. Bad example, obviously, but Jubilee's only good at getting captured. But yeah. And then they can't decide what her power set is. She's, she's got a firework. vampire, but she's got sparklers out of her fingers. No, she's either got firework hands or she's a vampire, and they can't make up her, their mind on her. They should pick one. They shouldn't have both. Well, no, they did one. Well, I guess she was one of those mutants that lost her powers during the House of M event where Scarlet Witch went ahead. Oh, see, I never read House of M. That was an important one that I missed. And then, yeah, and then I, re- I guess right after that she ended up getting turned into a vampire or something. So I guess if she can't do the sparkler routine, then yeah, be a vampire. Why not? At that point, at least you get a little bit of uh, superhuman strength, I'd imagine, among other things. You yeah. Have, well, that to, was... have to drink blood. I mean, that must suck, and you probably get AIDS, but... Yeah, she didn't seem like that kind of vampire, though. Remember her, like, uh, her representation from the future... When, uh, during the Children of the Atom arc, which actually, like, it, it felt, like, wicked cool at the time, but it was actually, like, like, it con- accomplished little or nothing. What, Battle of the Atom? Yeah. Remember? No, nah, I mean, the whole thing about Bat- Battle of the Atom is, is, uh, that was the arc that brought us the all-new X-Men. That's really what it was for, as a vehicle for that. Well, no, no, Because uh, Hank McCoy, remember? That actually, that hap- yeah, it happened right after, uh, Avengers versus X-Men. That was like, it was like this midway point where you thought like they might be getting rid of the all new X-Men book or sending them back, but we still have them here right now. Which is wild, but, um. So it's just like, eventually people just stop paying attention and asking those questions. <laughs> yeah, like everyone's accepted that like, yeah, there's Little Beast and Beast both in, you know, the Marvel continuity right now. But, you know, that book, people seem to really like it. Uh, I understand why it's like a chance to re almost relive in a way like, you know, what it must have been like to for the original five characters to first show up on comic book panels. Um, so I get that. But uh, 
you know, um, moving along with uh, finishing up talking about these X books, and there's there's one more X book that uh, I want to just mention real quick. It was actually it started off as a uh, uh, like a side book of uh, during Secret Wars. Um, there were so many side books too. Um, I only read a handful of them. I didn't want to spend too much money, but, um, they have a book out right now called X-Men 92. Um, I, I've checked that one out too. It's a, it's a really good one. Um, the artwork is just, it brings me back to childhood. I love it. What it does is, uh, it it has all the same characters from the X-Men, uh, cartoon that debuted back in 1992. And it's got all the same characters, and it's got the same feel, and it's just, like, fun. A nice little time capsule. I mean, 90s Marvel was actually really cool time for them. They were kicking so much ass. Oh, yeah, no, 90s Marvel was where it was at. Like, there was 80s DC, you know? Like, although Marvel had some pretty cool shit in the 80s, too, I gotta say. But 80s DC, you know, when they came out with, like, some of their, like, you know, monumental landmark story arcs. Um, that was like 90 through 96, maybe. Um, but I remember that was when like the, uh, well, there was a in between time too where they were panicking where a lot of talent left to go ahead and start their own publisher. That's when Image first was founded. Right. And that scared a lot of execs, you know, for both sides of the competition, Marvel and DC. It's like, oh, we're going to lose our fucking talent because these people are getting, you know... If they find out they can work for themselves, we're screwed. E- exactly, exactly, but... Well, there's always going to be people out there who want to write Superman and Batman and Spider-Man, so... Everybody's got their own story for those characters. Like, this is this is what I would do if I was put in the driver's seat or if I was given the keys to Gotham City, yada, 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 yada. Um... So, you know, and, and I got to admit that if, uh, you know, I ever did become, you know, uh, an industry writer someday, or if you did, like, you know, tell me you would not, like, dive head first at a chance to, like, I'm going to be able to tell my Batman story now, or my Superman story, or even my Spider-Man, whatever it is, you know. Um, yeah, such cool concepts to, to be going over here. So, um... We only have a few more titles we want to touch upon. Um, I suppose we better talk about Old Man Logan next um, before we get into just mentioning uh, what's going on with the Inhumans before we call it a day here. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about what Jeff Lemire has done with uh, Old Man Logan so far. So the the Old Man Logan is a continuation of... The Secret Wars book titled Old Man Logan. So in, in this title, he, he wakes up, he's in New York City, our present day, uh, cops try to hassle him, he ends up cutting one of the cop's arms off and books it, and then he, then he's remembering this time, he's living in these badlands, and in his time, Bruce Banner's kids, and offspring become the gang members and terrorize right. everything. The Hulks. The Hulks, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's, Wolverine's got this thing in his head. He's going to go ahead. He's going to go ahead and take care of all these people before they have a chance to kill everybody. So what he does is, um, 
he goes after this first guy, the the butcher, and he goes and he kills this guy. And then next he goes to pick a fight with the the current Hulk, Amadeus Cho, and he he messes him up pretty good, but it's still too much for him. Wolverine one-on-one can't hang with the Hulk. Not if he's... He's too little. You gotta go for the head first, you know? He always, he tried going for the, the legs, which is, you know, good for normal people, but the Hulk regenerates just like he does. And yeah. He, and he can go, and he's strong enough to go, you know, punch a hole, but the, You need to go like Thunderbolt Ross style if you're gonna take on the Hulk. You need tanks, you need fucking artillery, you need the National Guard, at least. If you wanna actually take him on, toe to yeah. toe. Well, I think, why don't the Wolverines fought the Hulk a lot over the years? Oh, I mean, that was, uh, you want to talk about the, the first appearance of Wolverine. It was in, uh, um, in it was in Hulk. an issue of Incredible Hulk when Hulk was fighting the Wendigo up in the, uh, Northwest Territories, part of Canada. Mm-hmm. And that's where Wolverine came from. He's this, you know, they didn't really, you know, they, they, they had the claw thing down and that was like, you know, the real, you know, selling point for the character. And they knew he was Canadian, but they didn't have everything down at that point. But, you know, um, I have like a replica of, uh, you know, it's not worth anything, but it's just cool to look at a replica of, you know, that original first appearance of Wolverine. And I believe yeah, he looks like a little kitty. He's got the whiskers. Yeah, he's like a little cat suit, a little yellow cat suit. It's like so different from now, but it's I love looking back and seeing the evolution of characters like that, especially good ones. Oh, it's a good yeah. time, man. Um, the quick, who do, who, what do we got left? Because, uh, <laughs> we're strapped for time here. I don't yeah, know. Unless you want to go ahead and just make a part three. No, we're, we just got to mention the Inhumans real quick. Talk, talk on Canny Inhumans. Uh, all right. Well, look, the Inhumans, here's the story about it. <laughs> you, like, so don't want to. No, I don't, it's, <laughs> Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. They're like the most mediocre thing going on at Marvel right now. So you got two factions in Inhumans. One's kind of like Black Bolt's guys, and then the other part's like the kids that uh that Gorgon's training, training up the young ones. So they uh the first arc was Black Bolt uh just before all the mess with the Secret Wars, he went goes ahead and he gives up his son to Kang the Conqueror. Kang goes back in time, turns his son into a warrior, and trains him to a point. And, un- and this kid's got an uh, unwakened inhuman ability where his soul can multiply and stuff, so he can just make multiple copies of himself to fight. That's and pretty awesome. They get into this huge brawl, and then I think Black Bolt has to kill his son because Black Bolt's like probably like one of the top five most powerful characters. Even though he's like got no personality, he's probably in like like he doesn't even well, he doesn't even have the chance to like show a personality because it, he doesn't get to speak. Yeah, he doesn't speak. I guess you got to really have really good chops as an artist if you're going to go ahead and depict anything from that character. Um. So yeah, they did that, and they end up winning out, and they go back in time, and then you know things are the way they're supposed to be, and and then. Turns out Black Bolt stopped being the king of the Inhumans so he could open up a nightclub, like, hidden underneath, like, some sort of what? subway or something. Yeah, he calls it the Quiet Room. What? And, like, villains and heroes go there to play poker, and it has a nightclub, and and the, we're in the middle of that Who's writing right that now. book right now? Charles. Charles Soul. Soul. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hit or miss with that guy. It right? really is like strictly hit or miss with Charles Soule. Like that is that was a miss. Holy shit, that makes that that now. I don't I, know. I feel like anyways. In, in, the Inhumans books right now would would work if they had the legacy behind them of like that say the X-Men does, but they don't. So like it's like they're really they're trying so hard to try to make the Inhumans like the new X-Men so the, to, the so to X-Men. speak, yeah. Yeah, and it just ties in and it's just it feels really forced and even though it's mediocre and it's not bad, I don't really have time for mediocre books or money. Yeah. To be quite honest. I have to be frugal. Let's just put finances out there. We'd love to read everything, but they don't have libraries for comic books. So, <laughs> you got to pick and choose. And that's why you got to kind of keep your ear to the ground, listen to your podcasts, and hope they have similar tastes to you, you know? Yeah, you know, you t- you tune in every week. You listen to the Vigilant Geeks. You listen to what we got to say. You know, you take our advice as, as John Law you know, and, 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 uh, you keep listening every week and you never miss an episode and you're always going to know what's good and what's not good. So there you have it. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe, real America. No, I'll stop. No, that was hell of a service announcement. Um, but hell, we covered so much ground and, 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 we're actually, uh, we got, we got to go back at it next week. Uh, we're not done talking about Marvel yet. Um, we, we ran up on two hours. We figure, uh, we talked about the meat and potatoes of Marvel this week. Next week, join us as we tell you what's going on, uh, in regards to Marvel's fringe books. These would be books such as Daredevil, Punisher, Moon Knight, Black Panther, Ant-Man, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Red Wolf, Power Man, and Iron Fist. Um, so, uh... It's we, gonna be good! Jeez, that sounds solid as hell. Yeah, it's actually that... I love talking fringe, man. I love talking about the fringe books. They're... Ah... I mean, mainstream continuity has its place, and you gotta follow it, or you're not gonna know what's going on, but I love me those fringe characters, those Marvel Knights. Uh, so we hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. Like I, like we said, join us next week, uh, to hear about the characters I just rattled off in regards to Marvel's fringe. Um, and, uh, I'm Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media. And I'm Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. And And as as always, always, stay stay vigilant. vigilant.